In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. Shoot it! We deliver tickets, team merchandise, and everything you need for the game. But what you really get is so much more. FedEx delivery. Game day spirit. What we deliver by delivering. Welcome to the Daily Memphian Grizzlies podcast, where the Grizzlies are back on the court, the practice court at least, for the first time since spring, and we're only days away from the beginning of preseason basketball. I'm Chris Harrington, and I'm joined by colleague Don Wade. Uh, Don, we haven't seen any basketball yet, but we've heard a lot of chatter. It's the time of the year when everyone has added 20 pounds of muscle and is optimistic about the coming season. What struck you most from the first couple of days, media day, and the first day of training camp? You know, the first thing with media day was, you know, you look around the room and you, me, and all the other media members were the true veterans. We're the old timers. (laughs) We're the old timers of Grizzlies media day. So that was kind of strange. Uh, I don't recall hearing the word playoffs or postseason uttered by anyone, which wasn't surprising, but was in stark contrast to years and years of, you know, we're not just going to make try to make the playoffs, but we think we can have a deep run. So that was the overarching biggest Yeah, I mean, first. So, sometimes there's a difference between um, what people say and what they do. And so to me, I was struck by those things really came together. Like there, right. there was no pretense yesterday. When, when, when Zach Kleiman said – you know, we we want we want to get better every every day. We want to foster an environment of competitiveness, uh, but our focus is on development. Like that's the truth, right? They're not tanking, but they're not. They have no pretense of making the playoffs or, or even necessarily winning a lot of games. They just want. They have a young team. They want to develop their talent. They want to play, be as competitive as they can on the floor while developing the talent. I think we all knew that was the case, but it's refreshing to hear them say what we to say it to say it, right? Yeah, I think one of the things uh, Kleiman said was something along the lines of progress is not linear, right? Yeah, and so you know it's it's going to be starts and stops, and you know I've I've said this before that not every twenty five win season is the same. That's right. You can get there, and it can feel like yeah, you're you're traveling up. But there's a lot of good mileposts along the way, or it can just feel like you know an 82 game car wreck, and you're miserable the whole way. So I think we're probably in about the same place on what we think that irrelevant win total is well, going to be. But how you get there is what's going to be. Yeah, there are lots of examples. So just a couple off the top of my head, like Russell Westbrook's rookie year, which was Kevin Durant's second season for Oklahoma City. That team won some 20 something games, right? But everyone could see these guys are really good. And you could see like the road ahead going somewhere good. Last season, I don't know what the Hawks won, but it was in the 20s. But people in Atlanta, I think, were excited about their basketball team because they could see, oh, Trey Young, is he's not a bust. He's going to be an all-star. And oh, John Collins is going to be a 20 and 10 big man. And we can see where we're headed. And so this season for the Grizzlies is about seeing where they're headed, right? I mean, they, they could have a bad 20-something win season if, if Jaron Jackson Jr., looks like he has a lower ceiling than we think. And if John Morant casts doubt about his future, but they could have a 25 win season that people are thrilled about if they think, okay, we can see a contending team down the line built around these guys. Yeah. And I don't know what the Atlanta Hawks attendance numbers were, but Trey Young, well, was it's Atlanta, to, so it's never good. right? Yeah. 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 There's that. But 
but he was a reason to go to the games. Right. And I think that's what you're obviously hoping for here with Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant and and kind of an organic thing where, you know, your friend has gone to a game before you's gone before you have gone to a game and he's telling you you're not going to believe this John Morant kid, you know? And so I think there's definitely the potential for that. I think a, another part of this that people sometimes overlook is their development is going to be impacted by whatever is happening, by whoever is filling the uniforms around them. And if those guys right. are really bad, it's going to be hard for them to develop at the rate they otherwise could. That's why I think, and to tease out what I'm, what I'm working on, which I'll have up either later today or probably tomorrow morning, which rhymes a little bit with something that you wrote this week. You wrote about Jay Crowder um, today, and I'm writing a thing where I'm going to pair Crowder, Jonas Valanciunas, and Tyus Jones. And, you know, Crowder is bought in, um, unlike, you know, fellow veteran wing Andre Iguodala. <laughs> right, you, a little contrast sort of, there. Right, as you sort of point out. And the, what I'm going to say is that if you look at those three players – they're all young veterans. They all have a proven record of being quality rotation players on playoff teams in the past. Even Tyus Jones played 82 games for a 47-win Wolves team. They have all been quality rotation players on playoff teams. They're all relatively young. But what I think is great about that trio is you have a guard, a wing, and a big. And so as, as unsettled as this team is and as young as this team is, having those three players soaking up minutes and those three parts of the floor – I think can provide sort of a baseline of competence, and that's going to help, um, you know, the ja, John Jaron. And, and I'll, a specific point would be you, we were at both at um, training camp yesterday, and somebody, I think you may have asked, someone asked um, John Morant about playing with Jonas Valanciunas. And yeah. what he said was, well, we didn't play. I didn't. Play, we were on different teams today, but like I, he said something like, I took a, you know, I, I ran into one of his picks, right? Yeah. Well, that was a preview of what John Morant's opponents are going to deal with next season. And those big picks are going to help John Morant, right? He's going to have – those picks are going to help him get loose in the half court and help him find space. Um, Jonas Valanciunas' ability to score in the post is going to give him a safety valve. So if he's drowning, you got a guy to throw the ball to. And so I think that that idea of you need some competent players around them to aid their development, I think the team recognizes that, and I think that's what th those players can do. And Jay, Jay Crowder, who you wrote about, is, is really going to be really important, at least early on in that regard. Yeah, and the other side of the whole Ja and Yunus uh, Valanciunas equation, one of the things he said was, you know, Ja, like Mike Conley, knows how to play with a big. And so that, that mattered to him, obviously, when he was deciding to come back on the three-year contract. You know, there, there are point guards who don't know how to play with the big. So I, I think – That seems a little presumptuous. I don't know. It, it's we're, a little presumptuous. NBA bigs at Murray State, but it seems like he is the kind of game that, well, that will be true. Big in air quotes for right. Murray State, right? right. Yeah, big, uh, big with wise, one right. of them at least. So it's a little different thing. But the point you made about those three young vets and at different positions, well, we figure that there's a good chance that Crowder, like Valanchunas, will start. Yeah. So that means on your second unit, Tyus Jones is really the only thing you're pretty positive about, right? If Jaws starting, he'll be getting a lot of minutes. At some point, they'll probably play together. But there's still a lot of questions to be answered. Who's going to soak up those minutes on that second unit? What happens in games when you're when you've got those guys all in? Well, th th that brings up to me. I thought the, the most clear piece of news yesterday from training camp. When you look at these sort of these, the, the more veteran young, everyone's a young veteran. It's like, I don't think anyone's over 30 on the roster than Iguodala. If you look at like the young veterans on the team, you have three who you know will be in the rotation, right? And that's the guys we talked about, Valanciunas, Crowder, and Tyus Jones. You have two 
who are on the bubble to even make the, the roster. But even if they do, they're probably not in every night rotation. That's Miles Plumley and is it Miles or Mason? Miles. I, I get it mixed up every time. Miles Plumley and Solomon Hill, right? So they're young. They're, they're veteran players. But even if they make the roster, they're not going to be playing minutes every night. The, the, the guy who's left who there's mystery around is Kyle Anderson. He's a young veteran, right? And he could start. He could not play at all. We really don't know. And the news yesterday was that he played because he had said he had said on Monday at media day that he was not going to play. I asked him directly, are you going to play five on five tomorrow in, in, in training camp? And he said, no, I'm not, I'm not comfortable yet. Um, or he said, I don't think so. I don't feel comfortable. And then we learned yesterday from Taylor Jenkins that he, that he changed his mind, um, that he decided to give it a go. Um, and so, I mean, he is the, I think everyone assumes and I do as well, that Jay Crowder is starting at the small forward, but Kyle Anderson is the incumbent starter at small forward for the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. It's, you wonder when that does when he changed his mind. It is I think the way Taylor phrased it was, you know, he he wanted to be out there and integrate himself with right, his, right. his teammates. You know, how much of that was him feeling he needed to do that, or is the point I think you've made before is that the more positive news has come from the Grizzlies rather than Anderson himself. Was he kind of or just nudged? or other people? Right, yeah, not right. not yeah, Anderson. His dad responding to you on Twitter, I guess. Right. Yeah, which I was, I was just about to look at that. And bring uh, that up. You know, were there was he kind of gently nudged into you know you you need to give it a go and and really see where you're at it is notable to me every time anderson himself has spoken that was the the closing media session after the surgery or the surgery was revealed and then the opening media session this week he has struck a more skeptical tone about his trajectory than other people have and i do think we have to keep that in mind because kyle anderson did not speak yesterday someone else spoke you know sort of on his behalf but what you alluded to when i tweeted out that that piece of news from training camp and i got a, a reply a public reply like on twitter anyone can see it um from kyle anderson senior um his dad and what that said was, um, can't measure where you are unless your environment is where you're doing the measuring. And so what I – you have to sort of try to, to interpret. What I take from that is he's not necessarily ready to go. He's trying to test it out, and so he wanted to play to test it out. And so I don't know for certain. My assumption would be – we'll see what happens this weekend. They have a game on Sunday. My assumption is that if they were playing a game tonight, I don't I, – I, I assume Kyle Anderson would not play, not that he would. I, I don't think – I don't take him – participating in a training camp to mean he's all the way back 100%, let's go. No, I, I think that's right. And I think to to circle back a little bit to kind of the role these young vets are going to play, and it's a point I made in the piece on Jay Crowder, and he's saying all the right things, but you have to also contribute and be productive when you get out there on the floor. Your voice stops carrying that weight. I mean, that's just how it works in professional sports. So uh, I don't think there's any reason to think he won't be contributing. He's, you know, he's been a productive player within, you know, the lane that he's operated in in the NBA. I'd, I'd expect that to continue, but that you have to have that from all of those guys if they're going to be in a position to, to lead the young guys. We're going to take a break now for a word from our sponsor. The Daily Memphian Grizzlies podcast is brought to you by FedEx. Possibilities, what we deliver by delivering. All right. So, Don, what else is on your mind in terms of what we've seen in media day and training camp? Well, I want to do a little bit. We'll call this five on five, but it's not real basketball because you would post me up. Relentlessly. I would. I would. <laughs> the more you post, the less you run. And so I would absolutely <laughs> post you up. Uh, so here's question number one. If you could get your hands on a Bluff City script, Bluff City Law script and insert one or more members of the Grizzlies into a scene off the court, an off the court scene. 
Who, what, and where would that scene be? I mean, you're sort of setting me up to talk about Josh Jackson. I really, I really don't want to go there. Um, that is the one Grizzlies player who has who has had some legal issues uh, this summer. He was in a diversionary program from from some misdemeanor charges, and so I think that that is I'm, one answer. I'm not going to go that, that that answer. The answer I'm going to say is on media day, Marco Goodrich. I think I pronounced that correctly. Marco Goodrich said. That he was in Memphis. He'd come to first visit the United States, been here seven days. He was here by himself because his girlfriend and family were still dealing with visa issues. So I'm going to say the attorneys at Straight Associates get involved in um, working out the visa issues to get uh, Marco Gadurich's Serbian um, family um, in into Memphis. Oh, yeah. Nice, nice little twist from the traditional baseball spring training visa issues from the 70s. That was, right, that right, was always right. a thing. Um, all right. Well, Here's the next question. Um, which is more likely, in your opinion, the Grizzlies eclipse that 26.5 win total Vegas has made for them, or Bluff City Law gets a second season? I, at this point with Bluff City Law, I like the way you're being sort of intersectional here with my, my the two things I've been writing about this week. Um, with Bluff City Law, we're not waiting for a second season. We're waiting for six more episodes from this season because they, 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 have, they, have, they have greenlit. They're, they're in production now for 10 episodes. And they have paid for six scripts for six more episodes. And we're waiting for NBC to green light production on those six episodes from season one. So this we're is try- like not being guaranteed games after the All-Star yeah, break. Yeah, we're, 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 we're trying to get – we're not worried about season two. We're worried about season one still. The ratings were not great the first episode, but they, they actually held steady week two. And so I'm going to – I'm going to say the I'm taking the under on both of these, by the way, but I'm going to go Grizzlies over 26.5 versus Bluff City Law season two. All right. Well, you write about music too. So uh, I think you've already uh, been out there with this part of this question uh, a theme song for the Grizzlies preseason, but also let's, let's take it forward what you see that the theme song that actually develops once we're into the regular season, we kind of know what we have. Oh, you're putting me on the spot on the second one. I mean, too much silence is, is bad for audio, so I may have to take a pass because I don't think I can come up with anything out of, right out of my head. But my, my theme song for training camp, which I – for people who listen, I, I'm on the Jeff Hawkins show every day for some reason. And I, um, I, pick, my, um, I pick a lead-in song. This derives from – I used to do a column for the commercial hill called the 901, and I did a song every day called The Fade Out. So we, used to, we used to just play that song, and then I stopped doing that column, and they still wanted me to do a song. So I do a song every day, and my song on Monday in honor of Grizzlies um, Media Day training camp was Getting Better by the Beatles, um, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, Getting Better All the Time. That is the theme of the Grizzlies this season. Um, I'm going to have to take a rain check, but I'll come back on, on a, okay. a, new, a new song for later in the season. Okay, and then lastly, what do you think is more likely? And I'm not saying on this that Jaron Jackson Jr. makes the all-star team, but he gets into all-star conversation, legitimately is in the conversation, or John Morant finishes no worse than second in Rookie of the Year voting. I'm going to go with John Morant on that because I think there is no way. I think Jaron Jackson – there's a real question about whether Jaron Jackson Jr. takes a big step forward in year two or he has kind of a consolidation season. Like people should be should be prepared for that because if you look at last year, some of the rookies from two years ago, um, you know, the best rookies two years ago, Ben Simmons won Rookie of the Year, Donovan Mitchell finished second, 
the guy who either probably finished third, but people were really excited about was Jason Tatum for the Celtics. None of them made big leaps in year two. They sort of had consolidation seasons. Everyone thinks they're still headed towards being all-stars, but they didn't make the big leaps in year two. The guy who made the big leap was De'Aaron Fox, who had been bad as a rookie, right? And so it's not a guarantee that every player makes a big leap in year two. I think that could happen with Jaron Jackson, and if that happens, he will put up all-star caliber numbers, but the Grizzlies will be a bad team, and so he's not going to be in that conversation. John Morant is the second overall pick in this draft, and so if you're projecting rookie of the year, he should be second in that projections now. I think he was the second best prospect in the draft. They've already announced they're giving him the ball on opening night, and they're letting him go, and so I you know, I, I would bet on the John Morant top two rookie of the year much more strongly than I would Jaron Jackson all-star. This wasn't one of my original questions, but I think it's a good time to ask it. We've been around Jaron Jackson Jr. more because it's his second season here, but we got a you know, chance to see a good yeah. bit of Ja. He was you know throwing out the first pitch at the Redbirds game and right. making all sorts of appearances. When you just look at how each of these guys is wired and what they're being asked to carry, who do you think is better equipped for kind of the intangible rigors of the NBA? Um, that's a good question. And it's hard to answer just because we had John Morant has not played basketball outside of a Murray state uniform, right? Like Pierre didn't play summer league right. and has done nothing. And so I think we're, we're instilling a lot of hope and presumption into him. And I share it by the way, I like, I think he's going to be really good, but like, we really haven't seen anything from him. I do think just in our interactions with him, he seems to be for a guy who just turned 20, like a few weeks ago, I think. Seems to be pretty mature, pretty self-possessed. Uh, you know, he talks about him, he mentions himself in the third person, but like I think that's just comes with the territory these days, right? right. Um, but seems to be pretty grounded, pre- pretty solid. But I'm going to go Jaron because he's already been through it. I think he was, I think he was impressive on and off the floor last season. Has been this summer. We know like the just incredible quality of like family he comes from like a former veteran NBA player and you know his mother is an attorney who's who's heavily involved in the women's player the women's side players union um like he you know he was almost like you know you know he was raised for this right like Mm -hmm. he's been preparing for this like his whole life and and I think the Grizzlies John Morant is the point guard and John Morant has the more exciting style of play but the the player they're giving the ball, I don't know whether Taylor Jenkins will name captains. We'll find out. But the player the Grizzlies are giving the ball to in terms of leading the team right now is Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think that was reflected symbolically on media day where like everyone else was like, there's three tables, right? For people who don't know. And like they're, they're overlapping, sort of alternating like scrums. And Jaron Jackson was came out last by himself with everyone around him. And I assume that will be mirrored on opening night when they do the player introductions. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. will come out last. And this may change over time, but right now, I think this is Jaron Jackson Jr.'s team. A couple things from that. Um, I don't know that I've ever heard a professional athlete refer to himself in the third person and and finding – I can't recall ever finding it, you know, less annoying than when Ja did it. It didn't seem egotistical in the slightest way. Well, his way. name is Ja. Like, if my name was Ja, I would sort of – I may, even if I'm not a good basketball player, I may <laughs> just might, want to be like, yeah, you know – Yeah, Ja's got to write a column today, right? Right, right. <laughs> It's not Chris or Don. His name's Ja Morant. Yeah, it know? just sounds good. But I, I won't say who, but a uh, a noted Memphis media member said to me after media day that he kind of found Jaron Jackson Jr. irritating, that that there was 
you know, uh, an egotistical quality to him, like he was kind of above it all. And I kind of took I get that, that. I kind of took that in, and I kind of, and then I tried to balance it with what you hear other players say about, like yesterday, Jay Crowder said that he's been great about asking him questions, you know, which implying that you know he wants to be that sponge that he needs to be, but he doesn't come off that way when he talks to us. So the question is, is that? Does it seem like if that's intentional, like he's got this persona he's kind of cultivating when he deals with media, and then he's this other guy when, you know, maybe a more respectful guy when he's dealing with veterans like Jay Crowder or before Mike Conley? I, I do think there's a difference in him dealing with the media and him dealing with other players. What I, I, I see that. I see exactly what that is. And to me, what I take out of it, and maybe this is that I share I share what I perceive in some cynicism from him about the whole media enterprise a little bit and the way it works. Right. I think that he sets down and gets with surrounded by all these cameras and all these microphones and he's getting these like someone asked him to rap, right? Rap yeah. for us, Jaron. Yeah. And I think <laughs> he, I think he sees that not necessarily the one-on-one, but that as like you're asking me to perform and I think he sees he he sort of he sort of telegraphs that he doesn't take that stuff all that seriously instead of pretending to take it seriously like I think maybe a lot of other players do veteran players sort exactly of put on the role of like you know I'm you know say what you saying what they're supposed to say without letting you know that that they know that they're supposed to say it I think with Jared you can almost see him okay it's time to do this I'm gonna put on this mask you can see him physically put up pick up the mask and put it on his face and then do it and then like he's done I can see how that would rub people the wrong way it does not rub me the wrong way because I see I see it all as sort of performative myself yeah, I do think he's definitely different in those settings. It's like I think he interprets it like, all right, this is like the Super Bowl media day, and you're asking me what kind of tree I would be if I would be a tree. Right. You know, I just think, you know, when you have that, like, tell us about your favorite rappers and, like, you know, do a dance for us, Jaron. There's just sort of that aspect to it that I just think, and maybe it's a product of being young and he doesn't sort of know to, like, perform a, perform it a different way. But I th- I don't think Jay Crowder's responses in those scenarios and Jaron Jackson's responses in those scenarios, I think they're both performances. They're just different performances to me. Yeah, I think that's true. I do think, though, that uh, a lot of what Jay said yesterday, I think it was pretty heartfelt when he when he's talking about, you know, what it was like to walk into the Dallas Mavericks locker room and to learn from Dirk Nowitzki and Vince Carter and Elton Brand and those guys and that it would be selfish to hang on to what he learned as a young player and not pass it on. I mean, that, that to me came off as sincere. I will say that. Right. Um, anything else before we get out of here? We're just getting started, two-a-days. So um, training camp through the rest of this week, there will be basketball. Um, there, there's, a, there's a public thing. I think it's at MUS, right, on Saturday. I think it's at 1.30, their sort of open scrimmage thing. Um, but actual basketball games, 2 p.m. Sunday, they host, um, I think it's Maccabi Haifa, um, one of the Israeli pro teams. And then on Tuesday night, right? Yeah, Tuesday they, night, at FedEx Forum, they're going to host the New Zealand Breakers and um, R.J. Hampton coming into town, which be, will be an unusually interesting preseason game where you, you'll have John Morant, number two pick in this past NBA draft. And R.J. Hampton, who um, is projected as a potential, not a certain, but a potential top five pick as a guard in next summer's draft, and they'll be going head-to-head. I bet, in fact, I know of one national NBA writer who reached out to me he's going to be in town for that game. I bet we'll have a lot of scouts in town for that game, too. I'd say that's a very fair guess. All right. For Don, I'm Chris Harrington. This has been the Daily Miffy and Grizzlies podcast. 
Thanks to the OEM Network and Gilworth. Thanks to Natalie Van Gundy, as always, on the ones and twos. Subscribe to the site at dailymythian.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Daily Mythian. And so you can subscribe to this podcast and the rest of our audio wherever you get your pods, including iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. The ruling on the field stands. We delivered jerseys, funny foam fingers, and everything you need for the game. But what you really get is so much more. FedEx delivery. Game day spirit. What we deliver by delivering. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community. The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.